Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. What's up, folks? Welcome to the latest episode of Existential. I'm actually on location today at a friend's uh, church right now, and uh, we'll we'll get into that in just a second, but first, for all of you who are Patreon supporters, thank you so much for your support. Uh, There is extra content at the end of this episode for you to listen to, Um, and if you uh, have not subscribed to the podcast yet, maybe you're a first-time listener, welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode. There's a bunch of other great episodes you can listen to. Uh, A couple quick updates. There is, I am indeed uh, hosting a legacy trip in December. Uh, details for that will be in the show notes so that you can, I think there's some spots some spots left for you to join us in Alabama at the uh, Lynching Museum and just for uh, an incredible time of anti-racism pilgrimage with me and our good friend Nandi will be um, uh, hosting that trip together. So you can sign up for that still. I believe there's like three or maybe four spots, maybe. Uh, left for you, and uh, that is all, actually. So I'm I'm here this week with my, my good friend Curtis uh, Lilly, who's a pastor here in the Bay Area, and um, after last week's episode, most episodes, actually, Curtis will share his thoughts, and I'm always like, <laughs> I'm always like, dude, that's, those are great thoughts. Sometimes they're like critiques of the things I say, and I like, I realized after last week that I'm like, I, I haven't made a lot of space on the actual platform for any of these critiques, which I think is, like, to me, uh, a miss. Because I think it's important that people hear uh, all sides of, like, conversations that we're having, otherwise they're not conversations. They're just <laughs> like, you know. So, but before we get into that, more important than that is uh, this weekend, this past weekend was Halloween. And you had the best Ted Lasso <laughs> costume I've, I've probably of anyone I've seen. You look more like Ted Lasso than Jason Sudeikis, who it, actually plays Ted Lasso. It was pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It so, was... <laughs> so you had like, well, just introduce yourself, and then I yeah. want to talk about the Ted Lasso stuff because it's fascinating to me. Cool. Uh, I'm Curtis Lily. I'm a pastor. <laughs> uh, you and I got connected uh, several years now uh, through a through a mutual friend, yeah. and at a at a what's that barbecue place we went to? What's it called? Um, uh, Dickies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was our first meal together. First meal. And it was, you know, not great. And <laughs> well, the company and conversation was great. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, we have spent I don't know the last several years just grabbing lunch together and and chatting. And so uh, you know, it's funny as you say that I'll send you texts and sometimes they're critiques. I mean, those are just like a small piece of yes, our friendship, exactly, right? Exactly. I mean, we we t- there's so much that you you offer that is so good and stimulating and challenging and awesome and you know we we agree on so many things and yeah. so so it's fun after listening to one of your podcasts, you know, to to go. Ooh, okay, I'm thinking this, right? And and just sure. send you a quick a, a quick text and, yeah. and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so you were we'll get it we'll get to that, but you were Ted Lasso. I'm looking at the mustache oh, yeah. now. Yeah. Right? You look you still look like Ted Lasso. Well, I mean the mustache is gray now. I yeah. colored it so okay. that I could, you know, pull it off. So did people actually think you were a legit Ted Lasso, like in, in person? Often. Um, um it was it was unreal, man. So like a month ago, somebody had said uh, I think you kind of look like Jason Sudeikis. And I said, 
huh, I never really thought about that. Maybe I need to be Ted Lasso for for Halloween. <laughs> Go figure. And so grew up my beard so that then I could you know sh- shave off the beard part. I'm not a mustache guy <laughs> at all, and I like hate the feel of it. But if I have a full beard, it kind of blends in. It's fine. Mm. Uh, so I'd been get piecing together the costume, and as I was putting pieces of it on, the the visor and the aviators was like, oh, okay, I actually look like Ted Lasso, but I hadn't shaved it off. So then just in preparation, I shaved off my beard, darkened the mustache, darkened my sideburns, and posted just a picture said, becoming Ted Lasso. It's like my most liked picture <laughs> on my on Facebook. People blown away how much I look like Jason Sudeikis. No visor, no glasses. It was crazy. Then I put everything on. People went insane, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were Ted Lasso. Like, I mean, I didn't see the name. I didn't see your name at first. I'm scrolling. I'm like... Wow, it's Ted Lasso. And then I was like, oh, no, that's not Ted Lasso. That's Curtis, but it looks just like... I had people who thought I was posting a picture of Jason Sudeikis, didn't realize it was me. I had people walking by me, friends of mine, who didn't realize it was me until they heard my voice. <laughs> um, I, I had somebody downtown run out of a store. They had seen a, a picture from a, a, a local social media account. They thought... They, they thought... <laughs> Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis had made an appearance in town, uh, and he just hugged me, and and I said, "What are you like? You know, I'm not real, right?" And he's like, he's like, I, I, I sort of know that, but I just needed this, and, and dude, it's it's wild. Why do you think people like, you know, really resonate with Ted Lasso like that? Like, because I mean, there, I, I did make a comment on Twitter that like, you know, <laughs> every white I don't, I, I didn't see a white dude that wasn't Ted Lasso. <laughs> You know, I was surprised I didn't see more, um, uh, what's that? Oh, gosh, what is, uh, uh, Squid Games. Okay. I, I thought I'd see more Squid Games, but I saw a bunch of Ted Lasso. But why, why do you think it's, like, so resonates with folks? Like, that show, his character. So, uh, I mean, you're wearing a, a Be Kind sweatshirt right now. I am. Uh, you know, he made the joke when he hosted Saturday Night Live that he's blown away by how big Ted Lasso has become because Ted Lasso is really about two things that Americans hate, soccer and <laughs> kindness. <laughs> and, and I think there's a little bit of a joke that over the last four, five, six, mm-hmm. seven years, mm-hmm. um, we've been celebrating uh, strong males, powerful males who are not kind. Mm. Um, that we have set character aside as a, a trait we're looking for in in strong leadership and maleness. And, mm. and so to see a character who is kind and who at times seems to be walked on but doesn't um, shrink mm. uh, to that, you know, sort of the phrase unoffendable, he, there's a, there's a, he, he willing to endure some of that with a confidence that that kindness is maybe a more powerful force Mm. and will you know he makes the joke in the very first episode you just wait till let's just wait to see how roy kent feels when we've won him over you know he hates us right now let's see how he feels when we hate him and so there's something to that i i think it's been interesting after I don't know two decades of the anti-hero, mm. uh, the Walter Whites, mm. who are these deeply conflicted characters who you're sort of rooting for because because they're so human, yeah. but they're like 
destructive and destroying yeah. everything. That he represents a uh, maybe what we've needed in this season, which is a hopeful picture of a, yeah. a masculinity that's not toxic. Yeah, yeah. yeah all that's that interesting, man. Because I think, I think, j along with the Ted Lasso craze, we had the um, uh, sort of reappearance of uh, the dude from Blue's Clues. <laughs> And, mm -hmm. and and that video was everywhere, you know, and people kind of feeling like there was just this, um, you, you introduced me to this phrase, this non-anxious kind of presence mm -hmm. with both, you know, what is his name? What's the Blue's Clues dude's name? I forget. I forget his name too. <laughs> Gosh, anyway, but like hit that, that non-anxious presence that he brought and that Ted Lasso tends to bring. And, and, and you know, of course, Ted Lasso is not, not without critiques and there's the whole yeah. like, yep. you know, the white male yep. mediocrity stuff that's there are all valid critiques but it's just i do think that like the uh i agree with you on that presence of of someone who is attempting to live out virtue and kindness and goodness and respect for mankind in a way that like just is dropped in the middle of the world yeah. And people have to react to it, and yeah. people are responding to it in various ways. Yeah. And you know, and to to me, the, the reason why we're friends, and to, for me anyway, is that there aren't these days um, an overwhelming amount of Christians that I look at and go, they're trying to live in a way that actually makes the world better for everyone, not just Christians, right? And so that, to me, I feel like that's what you embody. I feel like it's what you teach at your church. I feel like, you know, that's kind of, like, you know, foundational for our friendship. Um, but I think, you know, where I think a lot of our difference comes from, or even the critique, is where I, I still find it troubling the exclusive claims. Yeah. Of Christian faith, and yep. you've got like you know, and so you have you have another side of that, and I and I want I want to hear that. I mean, I want the audience to hear that because I think it's important to hear. Yeah, I mean that that tends to be the center of our disagreement, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, because it's amazing, right? Like you and I, we can talk about Jesus all day long, and we're like, Jesus is great. Mm -hmm. We like Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> right? Just, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have this pull. There's this pull toward uh, the Christian tradition for you that, you know, as much as you've asked questions and you're in all these places, like something like has kept you tethered mm -hmm. to the thing called Christianity. Mm -hmm. Even if you're like, I, I, I just don't know if it's my group. I don't know whatever, but I can't like say I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. so it's been fascinating. But yeah, yeah this place of like exclusivity is um, it's, it's just a, a constant theme, yeah. I think, for us. And, and one, you know, I think in our, a lot of our conversations, uh, one of the places I, I come back to uh, is the idea that it's not as... Christians often want to make it overly simplistic. Mm -hmm. That we're either an inclusive bunch or we're an exclusive bunch. And so everybody's either in or out, these really clear lines. And even within Christian history, there there is a <laughs> diversity of opinion uh, regarding 
just how inclusive versus just how exclusive mm. the, the church may or not may not be mm. right and so there's like an extreme exclusivism that says like if you don't say the right words if you don't you know say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord before you die like sorry you're done for mm-hmm. and so that means that you know children infants people on deserted islands wherever they are who've never heard it right are out and so that's there's a, an extreme exclusivism but there are also Christians throughout history who have held to something uh, much more and I you know you, you really resonate with like the idea of mystery mm-hmm. something much more mysterious about how God works that if Jesus is the only way mm-hmm. and we keep hearing through the scriptures that God is a particular way, that God has a particular kind of character, that God is not willing that any should perish, that that God desires for all people to to know Him, experience His goodness, come to life, right? All of these kinds of things. That God is not limited then in when God enables somebody to 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 come in. Mm-hmm. to come into the family to find their place in his kingdom and, and among them uh, among him and that you can you can accept that after death somebody might uh, be given the opportunity to, to, to join God's family and that that actually still happens through Jesus alone mm-hmm. so so you can see there's still an exclusivity that there's an in and there's an out but there is uh, a lot more space for how and when and to say i don't scripture doesn't tell me explicitly how and when this all happens but it does reveal consistently the character of a god who is for the humans he created Mm. um and so you know, there are numerous instances where we see in the stories of Scripture that God's not limited by death. Mm. Um, and so it's actually a little bit embarrassing for us, I think, if we want to say with Paul that death is God's final enemy mm-hmm. and that death is somehow winning, mm. that that all death has to do is take somebody before they pray a prayer and and they're out. Shoot, death's pretty powerful then. <laughs> Especially if we have a God who raises the dead and who, according to Peter, uh, you know, and, and we discover that Jesus somehow preaches to spirits in prison from the time of the flood. Let's, yeah. We shouldn't jump into that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so, right? uh, yeah, and I think, and I, I like, I, I already hear the other threads where, where you and I tend to pull on that we like go, where we divert. And, and some of this, We've talked about, and I really want to get into one thing you texted me that I thought was really uh, interesting to, to talk about, and, and there's some tension around. But one of the things that we've talked about is your, um, uh, you are rooted in an, an authority of Scripture worldview that's like, you know, the Bible is authoritative. I am no longer <laughs> rooted <laughs> yeah. in that, yeah. right? And yeah. I think... You know, some of that is personality. Some of that for me is, is is ethnicity. Some of that is, you know, identity where it's like, you know, you tell someone black that this is authority authoritative, 
for their life, and that comes from someone who's not black. That's like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. authority's never been good to us in this country, mm-hmm. right? So that that creates some tension. But like, I, I think that you know, even beyond that, I think that again is the you, you're in all of our conversations, and people I'm sure now can already hear how incredibly intelligent you are, right? And that is oftentimes a barrier for people going how. That there's a almost a uh, that intelligence and and Christian faith are almost mutually exclusive, right? Because it's like, how can I reduce all there is to know about God, yeah. and and the afterlife and all these things, to sixty six books, mm-hmm. and one one corner of of philosophical thought, mm-hmm. and we you and I have talked about that, and and I, I'd love for you to talk about how you arrive there and what are the things that go into you know how you kind of deal from that place where you go bible's authoritative and i'm i trust this what makes you trust it (laughs) (laughs) that's such a big question man no um and and i'm struggling whether i want to jump straight into that or um or hold that off for just a minute and jump into, I mean, because what, what you brought up is really the heart of the, the kind yeah, of Texas, go, go there, go the there, Texas change that I had, which is really interesting to me, right? Because this has been a tension that you and I wrestled together through this, like, like I do hold uh, the, the Bible, the, the, the scriptures uh, to, with, I give it an amount of authority over my life and the, the sort of, uh, sense that I make of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it makes sense of the world in some really profound ways. Um, you, <laughs> right, as you just said, have like stepped back from any language of authority, and and in our conversations, that has often been a, a race-oriented mm-hmm. sort of distinction. Mm-hmm. That like I'm a I'm a white guy, and so uh, it's easier or convenient for me to hold this text um, as authoritative and and for you this text has been used against people who look like you and who who have lived with your experience and I like I totally get that um, the place where I was I was then texting with you right is that it was it was African Christians who were some of the very first Christians who were doing, the good, rich theological work from a, a posture of submission to scripture as, authority, as authoritative mm-hmm. who, who came up with, who then spoke into the councils, the earliest councils, declarative statements about the nature of God, the uh, divinity of Jesus, you know, all of these kinds of things and we're, we're holding to an authority of scripture. And so one of, the, one of the tensions I experience as I listen to you kind of processing your, your, your faith posture, mm-hmm. right? Like where, kind of where you exist uh, with it. And I think especially you articulated it in the last, uh, last podcast is because of your experience, you need to reject all of the terrible forms of of Christianity that have been used to subject black people 
to horrendous violence and oppression for centuries. Um, the the challenge or maybe the invitation that mm-hmm. I keep mm-hmm. like keep wanting giving. to offer you like <laughs> is to say that like reject it, please. And I want to I want to be with you and reject all of it. Um, but white people didn't create Christianity. Right. Right. <laughs> like right. Christianity isn't a white religion. Yes. It's not a white faith. Uh, ideas like authority, the authority of scripture, aren't, don't come from white people, uh, right? So, so like in that, like there is a way to push past the distortions of European and Western Christians, um, so-called Christians, yeah. right? Yeah. Christian, Christian forms. Um, to find something that is is truer and more authentic to its its heartbeat um, yeah. and to and to its beginning place, um, yeah. and 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 one of the things that is interesting to me as I as I listen to your critiques is that is that sometimes you appeal to ideas mm-hmm. um, and critiques of Western Christianity that come from Westerners. <laughs> So, so like, so Europe discovers that this form of Christianity that, that us Western white folks created is inadequate, Mm. that it, it can't hold up, that it's weak. And so Westerners using some, you know, tools from philosophy, um, appropriating some Eastern ideas and religions, begin to dismantle Christianity mm. uh, with enlightenment, what, right? European enlightenment tools and ideas. And, and so there's this really interesting piece where I hear you sometimes, what sounds like an adopting of like white European modes of critique, critiquing the, the thing that... that <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and, that, and that, I can see the tension in that. And I also, <laughs> I also think that like, so I, I was doing some reading about like ancient African spirituality. There were, there's like a scholar from, I forget where the scholar's from. Um, and the scholar's talking about uh, how there was a, a, a real flourishing spirituality in Africa before colonization, before European colonization, and before basically the countries now split almost half and half between Christian and, and Muslim, mm-hmm. right? But before that, there were these uh, sort of very non-binary practices and spiritual ideologies that existed in Africa. Um, and so I know that, you know, I actually didn't know until you told me that like the sort of universalist ideas were more Western thought, you know, kind of philosophies. But they do drive with a lot of, um, you know, some of some of the other Eastern ways of thinking and being, and certainly some of the traditional African ideologies. And and, and so I, I think when I when you said that to me, I went, yeah, that makes sense to me. In 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 a in that I think for some people who listen to me talk, yeah. there is a a a entanglement of racism and white supremacy along with theology so we're deconstructing and decolonizing our faith and that sometimes we're talking about decolonizing and sometimes we're talking about deconstructing yeah. and nobody knows which one <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> what, right which one? Where? so it's like and I'm, i may do both at the same time not even realizing i'm doing it right so so some of what you're not you and i are talking about now i think is more decolonizing it's the it is the 
what made it to the West to subjugate African people, what was used from scripture to subjugate African people, we need to decolonize from. Mm. Then there is the other aspect of like the, the space that there is for reasonable people to go, if, if the Buddhists, as an example, have something enlightened to say to us that gives us hope or peace or, or, or something to use throughout our day that allows us to flourish, yeah. we can use that. Yeah. And we're going to apply. In fact, we, and and for and to to say to, you know, Buddhist folks or or or, or people from Islam or any other like worldview that like, you're missing something, and I understand. We've had this this yeah. conversation. We had you're missing something. I feel very uncomfortable with that ideology because it just doesn't. It feels very. It feels smaller than God. This is what I said last week. Yeah. It feels smaller than God to yeah. say. You guys are almost there. <laughs> And it feels very Western, you know, so that, that's kind of where there's, there's that, like, you yeah. know, convergence. Yeah, so you say that it feels Western, but, like, if you look East, mm-hmm. right, look where Hinduism and Buddhism and Islam are meeting mm-hmm. in, you know, in East Africa and in Southeast Asia, like, those regions have been torn apart by war and division often because of exclusive religious claims. Yeah. So, right, so yeah. Christianity isn't the only religion that makes an exclusive claim. Um, hmm. Other religions have gone to war and are de- and regions of the world are deeply divided because of that. Hmm. Uh, I, I think that that's a sort of an, an important, like, it's not just the West. Yeah. Although we know, we know, about you know those battles you know yeah and we call and we what we call them in the west and that's that's an incredible point i'm glad you brought that up but we call those people in the west are religious extremists (laughs) that's what we call them right and but we also hold as from the christian tradition we hold to some of the i love how you call it the first testament Mm -hmm. um the first testament god that sent people to war over their their god and now in these parts of the world where there's this conflict happening that is bitter and brutal and tearing countries apart, mm-hmm. we look at them and go, you're a religious extremist because we have found a conservative way of believing and bearing like our beliefs in a way that doesn't force anyone. Mm-hmm. We just let God be the judge in the end that's going to make all these people go to hell. <laughs> I mean, not, and it, yeah. I'm, I know that's reductions. I, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that's you, but I, that's yeah. kind of the, yeah. the, some of some of the Western... Uh, more fundamentalist ideas I hear. Well, and that's exactly it. That's where that's where the this like understanding of the way that Western thought develops. Part of what happens in the Enlightenment is is people trying to ask the question: How does Europe stop ripping itself apart over religious wars? Mm. Because these were wars between intra-Christian. Mm. So so when you have colonies showing up. You know, in the in, on the continent, the American continent, and they craft a Declaration of Independence, and they have uh, a constitution, and they say, uh, "We believe that everybody should have the right to uh, to worship and to have a freedom from the establishment of a religion." Like this is a new, a fairly new idea, mm-hmm. and it's a way of of watering down every religious commitment in, in mm-hmm. order to make space. For, 
for differing people. And this comes right out of enlightenment thought. So this is Europe reacting to an, a, a, a we, we call it religious fanaticism, but that was just religion uh, in Europe mm. as mm. Protestants and Catholics are killing each other and everybody's killing the Anabaptists mm. and mm. people are trying to say, how do we, and so you have deism, which is a, a, a sort of general divinity, belief in a general divinity that is like kind of good for everyone, mm. that sort of works in everybody's face. So this is like a Western mm. idea. And over time, we discover that there are aspects of other religions that, that work to support that. And, and we have to make sense as we have new religions coming to the United States. How do we, how do you create space where people don't go to war with each other? Yeah. And so, so one of the ways you do that is you water down particular religions. That's fascinating. And um, that, yeah, that makes my, that makes my head hurt because, <laughs> because there's, um, there is in the watering down of religion, the, we've talked about this before, there is everyone, everyone, lots of folks look at Constantine and go, oh, that was awesome. And there are some that will go, that wasn't great at all. Because, <laughs> what, that because, because, because when empire gets its hands on something that's supposed to subvert it yeah. and converts it to empire, then you've got this marriage of two things that don't go together at all. Yeah. And you no longer have um, a pure, so to speak, religion. You now have something that's beholden to empire. That's when the West, that's when the white European West appropriates a, a Middle Eastern African faith for its own power mm. to to consolidate power in in an empire right so not that all forms of christian faith prior to that were pure in all of the mm -hmm. places mm -hmm. it appeared but but you have something different that then is appropriated in ways that loses its connection to reality and and this is so this is the mm. place where i find the christian faith so compelling right and when you're like mm. ah how can you be so exclusive mm. and yet mm -hmm. like want the best for everyone and all these other things part of that is i think i believe the christian faith is best it, it best explains the world and it's most capable of enabling people to live in the world amidst people who are radically different than them. Hmm. That it is, it is the, the best equipped, most well-suited, that Jesus as the one who changes us and gives us the, the, the sort of image of what to aspire for mm -hmm. enables us. And, and this is why in the first three centuries of, of the Christian faith, Christianity spread to different kinds of places. Um, it, it truly was, uh, Tim Keller describes it this way, truly was the first uh, multi-ethnic religion in the world. That prior to Christianity, every religion, uh, religious set of beliefs was associated with a particular uh, ethnic group. Um, there, there could be some overlap as you would adopt somebody else's God if you had power over that, those kinds of things. But as a, as a belief system, it was capable of being received in any culture. And some of Paul's work with right. circumcision right. Uh, and, and right. Jew-Gentile is, right. is part of the foundation for that. But how do you 
how do you receive the truth of Jesus and his kingdom and live into that in a place that's hostile to those claims? And it has the tools to enable us, I think, to live in any place at any time. And I think I think better than other claims, but certainly that's that's for discussion with for sure. I mean, and, other, and I think and I think that's your you know it's it's interesting. I I, I wonder when you say best, <laughs> and my mind just automatically went to like a a Olympic you know sort of um, award ceremony. Right? <laughs> you got first, second, third on the podium, right? How, and and we know that in that that they that all of these athletes and contestants they had contested battles with one another, and one of them emerged as first, one emerged second, one emerged as third. For you, um, when you say most, that obviously connotes that there are others. Second and third there, well, I don't know if it's second and third and fourth, right? But no, I just, I just, I would like, I'd like to know what goes into, for Curtis, what goes into the that belief and that, that, that place that you'd say, for Curtis, I believe that this does the best at this and is the most this. <laughs> Um, I can't just say it's the best, but I like it, I like it the most because I'm most comfortable with it. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I think I said, said this a couple times, and I think this is a piece of it. The way that the Christian faith explains the world, okay. as, I, as I know it, as I see it, as I receive it, uh, makes a ton of sense to me. Um, it, it really resonates as I, I hear people, followers of Jesus, talking about uh, humans as some mixture of saint and sinner. Mm -hmm. uh, th there, there are points of, of resonance there. Mm -hmm. um, the, way that, the way that humans live with each other, the instincts that humans have, uh, apparently innately, uh, to, to treat each other, um, the, the need for something to happen in us uh, to enable us to live a, a more just life, um, mm. to, to care about justice. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the, the way that the Christian faith doesn't try to answer every question, but mm. leaves, there, there's a ton of mystery out there. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, um, and, I think you've heard me say this before. To confess that there is a God and that that what is true is is that that relates to that God, like mm -hmm. that relates to the way things truly are. Um, I have no problem acknowledging that other faith groups, other religions have... Um, have, have that there that there is truth in them mm -hmm. um mm, and yeah. yeah and i and so i want to i want to receive and celebrate you know those things that are true um because i think that 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 which is true helps us uh connect and move toward this better world that yeah. we're contending for yeah. and justice yeah. like Sometimes I wonder if you're ever gonna like cut me off as a friend because I, I I'm always asking for definitions of stuff. But right, like when, when we talk about like what is a better world yeah. and what is a just world, yeah. like 
if two different people have different descriptions of like what a just world looks like, like how do we work towards that if we're actually working at opposites? So like there is some truth feels necessary if we're going to actually work towards a thing called justice. If there's going to be, <laughs> yeah, if there's going to be, uh, as, you know, the ancients sort of uh, believe there would be this this world where every nation, tribe, and tongue, you know, where everyone's together living in harmony, right? Mm -hmm. if, if that's the case. Because I, I, I don't think that it's possible for that to happen with everyone having a version of their own truth that is at odds with each other. Because mm -hmm. at, at some point, if we are... Uh, wrestling or, or if there is you know sort of a a way of living that allows for me to flourish that does not allow you to flourish then we're going to be at odds yeah. with one another and and to me that is um, my number one critique of what I've seen from much of Christianity totally is that it works for you because it doesn't work mm -hmm. for others it's mm -hmm. not that it works for you and it doesn't work it's it, the only reason it works for you is because it doesn't work for the for the trans community the only reason it works for you is because it, it doesn't work for the black community, because it doesn't work for women. And so, and I think that, you know, these are the things mm. that I don't know that the Christian faith has wrestled with or cared about enough. Like, you know, um, and, and you guys will probably get tired of hearing me talk about <laughs> um, Dr. Wilda Gaffney, who hopefully in the, in the near future will be Lewis on the podcast. Yes, yeah, so she talks about all of the ways that God is referred to in feminine ways. Yeah. And no, very few people, especially in your position as a pastor, could stand behind the sacred desk, as my dad used to call it, and, and refer to God as a woman. I sent out a newsletter. This was last year. And, and it was, my blurb was all about the Holy Spirit, and I used only she as she is the pronoun in every uh, single Now, how instance. many people left the church? <laughs> nobody, nobody left. Okay. I got a lot of great emails and conversations like when you interesting say great choice, what do you tell mean? me more about that <laughs> because because it's not common and it you know it strikes the ear and it you know and but yeah but it's not easy to to do something like that without provoking some For sort sure. of and yeah. so yeah and, well, and, and, I, and I think again there's there's like terms even that like now this I don't think that the term lord or adonai is one of those terms that works for you because it doesn't work for women but it is a term that if you if you recognize its origins, that it is you know a lot of, from Dr. Dr. Gaffney, she would say that that word uh, Adonai is associated with with male rulers who dominated women sexually. So to you for you to call God that as a woman is to is probably a little bit difficult once you become aware of that. And so th those are the things that I think when we try to one size fit all. Um, a, a, a way of being that become very, very difficult. And I have, I have had very interesting conversations with folks that are like, I don't know if it's possible mm -hmm. for us all to live in harmony. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I don't believe that because I'd still, what I hold to is that I do believe in the power of an infinite God. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't, and I believe that infinite God spills over into all of humanity throughout all of time. Yeah. And that that God will make it all right. And I think even from the good place, when like they have, when, when, when they get there and, and uh, I think it's uh, the very first episode and, and they're talking about how everyone had a little piece of it right. Right? For me, whether that's Western thought or Eastern thought or yeah. Northern, Southern thought, like <laughs> it resonates with me while I know there are some flaws in the 
watering down of everything so that no one has to feel left out, right? Because there, <laughs> because there isn't or threatened or, or threatened, right, right, or, right, yeah, yeah. Because what one of the things that's really missing, you and I talk about this a lot, is um, is catechesis. Is that like today, in order to be a part of a religious community for, for certainly the Christian tradition, all you have to do is show up, you know, maybe pray a prayer, um, join a small group, yeah. and you're good. And some of those people, especially in a lot of white evangelical spaces, if they're white males, get to go on to be pastor mm. with without any sort of formation, without any sort of like nothing. It's just like, oh, you know, we like you. You're here. Now teach the people. Yeah. Yeah. Males are so rare that if you show any <laughs> I mean, in, in, the, in the church, if you yeah. show any sign of maturity, uh, yeah, we send you to Bible school. Mm. We want you to, to be a pastor. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, it, so it's interesting. You, right, you believe in this like infinite God who's out there. There's this transcend, like transcendent bigness, and it's gonna work out. Um, and like, so this is the place where, right, Christianity is unique and distinct. There's not a, while God is infinite and big, it claims that God is also deeply personal mm. and imminent mm -hmm. that Jesus right like that that the God who made this whole thing and got it going somehow showed up in a form that we could embrace and listen to mm. and receive and that 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 God who is infinite working out showed us what we were truly made to be so that in Jesus is the image of what leads to human flourishing. Mm -hmm. So the better world that we're contending for, justice is found in this figure. And now are there, because he lived 33 years, right, or whatever, however long. Uh, however, however long, like, are there aspects of humanity that are missed? Yeah, we don't get much of the feminine mm -hmm. because we we have a, a male, there's a male figure mm -hmm. and, and so I, we have work to do, and you know, womanist theologians and uh, feminist the theologians invite us to to see where where Scripture gives us glimpses of, and and sometimes more than glimpses of that that fuller like feminine uh, aspect of of life and, and reality. But that those are the places where I I get it. Like to make a claim that Jesus is the way isn't just to say like a ticket to heaven no, no he's the way that we find life and human flourishing yeah that he gives us there are others we can see and who are um they resonate yeah but like he's like the center point um if we want and 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 so to claim that I, I totally well, know. I, so, it's exclusive. I, so, I, so it is exclusive, and I got one. Yeah. Other, and I got one other question for you around yeah, yeah. that because some of this, <laughs> some of this is also decolonizing, deconstruction. Yeah. You know, kind of yeah. mix and mash. And, and for those of you who are like scholars in either one, in either one of those, I apologize for how much I conflate. <laughs> but like, when we talk about Jesus and we talk about Christianity, here's what I'm hearing, right? That Paul's um, innovative religious ideas said we're going to open up a Jewish way of thinking, being, practicing, believing, connecting with God to anyone and everyone who wants to. Mm -hmm. 
And so then by nature of that, it is no longer exclusively a Jewish religion. Yeah. Jewish people after Paul actually followed other messiahs. Mm-hmm. Who people they thought were messiahs who were doing great things are like oh this you know so yeah. they're they're kind of looking for a messiah and to this day there are many Jewish people who go we still have not seen the messiah yeah what do we do with that being that you know I've said to you before if there were if there were an African like idea about a messiah that was going to come and do X Y and Z yeah. and like a bunch of African people didn't believe it, but a bunch of white people were like, well, he has already come and you missed it. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd raise my eyebrow. Totally. <laughs> so how, how do yeah. we resolve that? Because I know there's a lot of people that are there that maybe never even heard that there were other messiahs. Yeah. Because you don't say that in church, which I understand, because you don't want to burn people's boats down and they're like drowning. I don't have a problem saying that in church. <laughs> no, I mean, so yeah, I mean, this, this for me is would be the analogy. There are, there are white people in the United States today who claim to be evangelical Christians but want nothing to do with Jesus. Hmm. Hmm. They are attracted to a different kind of Messiah. They want somebody who's going to take up a sword. They want somebody who's going to who's going to uh, inspire a revolution. They want some. They, they want what every human has ever wanted, which is a a prototypical strongman king, hmm. a ruler, authority, like who, whatever. Right? You can fill in the blank. We should not be surprised that someone who came and was crucified by the Romans, who the Jews desperately wanted to be freed from, would go, that guy cannot be our Messiah. And that there would be people who would look at Jesus and say, no, he's not it. Because people who have identified with Jesus who love the idea that he's a savior, that he saves us from hell, want nothing to do with his lordship, the kind of king that he actually is. Mm. They're not interested in, in self-sacrificial love. They're not interested in crosses. They're not interested in loving enemies and loving the stranger. Like, they're, that's not what they're in for. So mm. there, are pl- there are plenty of people who say, Lord, Lord, and I will say to you, I do not, I do not recognize you. So yeah. in that way, right, like, I don't have a problem recognizing that there are going to be people who are going to look at Jesus and go, that can't possibly be the way to flourish it mm. because that way leads to death and death can't possibly be like, you can't. <laughs> yeah, and that, so, and that to me is the most appealing part of <laughs> the Christian faith is, is, is not, it's not the exclusive claim of it because I do think, I, I think people can arrive and this is again where we part ways. I believe people can arrive there without a confession of Jesus. I just I believe that people can experience life flourishing, love, compassion, can can have Torah play itself out in their lives yeah. without ever hearing from a Christian about Jesus. Yeah. So um, I actually think the same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah, you've ever said agree yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. in different yeah. forms. Different yeah. yeah. Which, which is a podcast for another day. We're gonna have you back. Yeah. But like I I, I think that the idea of of the way to go up is to go down uh-huh. is that the way to peace is not strength but humility and service um, that it's not violence as Dr. King would say it wasn't violence it's not violence it's not it's not us going and taking up arms against these folks that's going to liberate us yeah. it's it is peace right i and i say that as with a caveat that it doesn't mean that Folks that go, well, we're going to take up arms 
are actually inherently wicked because we see throughout <laughs> scripture that there's like that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but I do I subscribe more to the nonviolence. I subscribe to the idea that Caesar's way was dominant. And Caesar's way was to crush anyone who had anything to say that he didn't like, which is why Jesus winds up on a cross to begin with. Mm. Jesus' way is to go, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to show you mm. what love looks like, even if it costs me my life. Yeah. And like that to me is beautiful. Mm. That's the most beautiful part of Christianity. Yeah. And that, there's where I think we agree. It's like that's, that's a beautiful thing, a beautiful story that Christians can tell. And I just wish that they told it more. <laughs> Curtis, thanks, man. I really appreciate you you um, taking the time to to, to come on. Is is we always have great conversations, and I, I know. And, and I'm like, dude, I want to you know I want people to hear these <laughs> conversations. Um, for those of you that are listening, like, um, thank you for listening in. I, I hope that you can um, find in our conversation like things that you can apply to your own life when it comes to difference. Right? I, I'm not a person who's like, you know. Let's sit down with everyone who disagrees with us and, and have a conversation. Because some people who disagree with you are disagreeing <laughs> on principle, on things that, that like are harmful and hurtful to you. Don't sit across the table from folks like that. People that are going to cause you pain because what they're talking about is, is, is hurtful to you, your identity, your ancestors. Stay away from folks like that. But folks you can sit down and have an intelligent conversation with and walk away going, hey, I love you, disagree with you, but I love you, and we're still in community. Man, I think that's worth uh, living for and valuable. So thanks for listening to this. Thanks for helping us to continue for a better world, one conversation at a time.